Just before we get into the word, Pastor Dan sends his greetings. He's talked often about his care for his parents in their elderly seasons. I'm thankful for a pastor who walks out what he talks about. He was with them through the new year, scheduled to be back this weekend. However, there's just some... Uh, 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 interruptions to his schedule with them in their care. Uh, so he's remained there caring for them. He will be back soon. Continue please to pray for him and his family. If you'll commit to that, would you say amen? amen. Well, about, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, I was leading one of our uh, many uh, uh, international trips that we do. We do about 13 every year. And I was in Antalya, Turkey. I was with a small team. I was there with two of our global workers, Jeremy and Angela Perigo. And, uh, and they, were stay they were there in, in Antalya. And, and, and one of the things that they had for us to do was to split the team up and to navigate a foreign city, foreign culture, foreign language all the foreign things and to go through there find your way then to a separate rendezvous point and meet up later on for there and so me and one of our fellow teammates his name was Derek Coleman we we head out into the city now now uh, Jeremy gave us a couple words of instruction of how to get where we were going even though we didn't really know the city very well he said there is a trolley line and if you simply follow this trolley line it will eventually get you there you can walk through and you can see the city so we're like cool, cool cool let's go let's do this and so me and Derek start walking about 30 minutes into our walk through the city we we came to something that Jeremy did not inform us of it's that this trolley line splits and it goes two different directions well, me, I had traveled some already. I was certain I could navigate this moment well. And so I said, self, you don't need to ask directions. Self, you will be fine. Self, lead yourself and this other intern with you down the journey of Antalya, and it will be great. About 30 minutes later, Derek says to me, I think we're lost. I said, don't cuss at me. That's a four-letter word. Come on, we're not lost. We are just simply misdirected. Another 30 minutes later, he said, I think we're lost. I said, we are not lost. We are simply misdirected. Another 30 minutes, I think we're lost. And I got Bible on. I said, Satan, get thee behind me. We are not lost. We are just misdirected. Two hours into our walk, I finally looked at him and I said, possibly, maybe. <laughs> Potentially. We might be more than misdirected. I couldn't even say it like a l -l 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 misdirected is how that came out. So finally, I like, well, I guess we could ask for directions. So I find this guy, broken Turkish, excuse me, broken English, three words of Turkish, and a whole lot of Italian hand movements. And he says, oh, I think I know where you want to go. It did not instill a lot of confidence in me. Then I turn around twice, and there's a Turkish cab driver who speaks no English, knows no Italian hand languages, and the guy says, get in the car. Derek says to me, I'm okay being misdirected. <laughs> we jump in the car, and we drive 35 minutes. 
walks through the city. I have no idea where we're going. I am not certain we're going to land where we are. But show enough, the power of God fell upon this taxi driver, and we get exactly where we need to get to. And the miracle of the story is he wouldn't take any money. I know, right? If you're a taxi driver, God bless you today. This story, I believe, is our current moment of a church and as a people. I think this story fits this month of prayer. Realizing that what really would have solved all of it was, was I willing to inquire of someone who lives there, who knows the city, knows where we're going, I could have saved myself a whole lot of headache. See, see, that's the moment I think we're in as a church. That's the moment I think we are in as a body of Christ. And if I'm honest, I actually think this is the norm, what we're supposed to be for the Christian life. This dependence of walking on the will and the voice and the inquiry of God. The, how we have been wired and what, what the, the full counsel of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation shows us is we are a people who are dependent and have been made to be in covenant with a God who speaks to us. And prayer becomes the venue by which we inquire of God and then prayer becomes the venue by which we then act and respond based on what we hear. And I sense a deep urgency of the Holy Spirit for us to see how he made us to be a people who, yes, are dependent upon his power, yes, dependent upon his anointing, but maybe even more than those two who are dependent upon his wisdom. Scripture says there is a way that a man thinks in his heart, and its way ends in not just misdirection or lostness, but death. I think the moment in our life to depend upon human wisdom and human data points is far gone. The moment we are in as a church and a body of Christ in 2023 is a need to be a people walking in the full counsel and inquiry and wisdom of God for our families, for our marriages, for our schools, for our region. See, God has woven for us the abundant life that he talked about in John 10, right? This life of overflowing, this life of divine purpose, this life of deep fulfillment. How's it woven into? A people who would listen to the voice, John 10, of the good shepherd. And I wonder how often are we living, our, out, are we outside of living our abundant life, not because he doesn't want to give us the abundant life, but because we have abandoned the place of prayer to listen to the shepherd's voice to direct us where we should walk. And I sense in this month of prayer him calling us back. See, we've made prayer about a fulfillment of fuel for ministry. We have made prayer about an unction and a place of anointing. We've made prayer for everything other than what I think prayer is primarily for. And prayer is primarily for this premise, communion with God. See, the conversation in prayer is the relationship that he's woven us for. 
It is the relationship. You ever been on a date, any first-time date? If you're online and been on a first-time date that has gone sour, go ahead and just let us know that in the, in the feed. We can pray for you. Anybody in the room? You ever been on a date where you went somewhere and there was nothing to talk about, so you just sat there stuffing your face full of food, being real silent? Boy, that ain't great. You ever been somewhere where you've seen a couple in their 70s and 80s, been married for 75 years, and all they do now is just eat and don't talk? I don't think in either case, beginning or end, would you say, oh, that relationship seems vibrant. Why? Because the communication, the talking is the vibrancy in the relationship. As such is with God, because he wove covenantal life with communication with him. And when we abandon the place of prayer, when we step away from the place of conversation with him, the problem is we enter into covenantal fragility. How are we going to endure the moment that we are in? How are we going to step in to covenantal abundant life without talking to him? This is the call to prayer. This is the call to covenant, to dialogue, to talk. You see, prayer in all of its forms, you're taking notes, write this down. Prayer into all of its forms is just talking with him. It's a process, prayer is, of speaking, of asking, and of intentionally listening to what he has to say. And not just about the earthquakes. Like, hey, should I spend money on this? Hey, should I go on this vacation? Hey, is this the right time to engage this email? Hey, should I respond to this text or ignore it? Hey, it's in every minor detail is God calling us to walk with him. And and he's the process of asking him prayer at its core is me being willing to admit that I have limitations. It's willing to say... My intellect, my discernment isn't enough to get into the divine purpose of God. And prayer says, I need your help. Prayer is the place of relationship. And it's not an act of the spiritual elite. Those who've been on the mountain of transfiguration have their face shining like Jesus. No, 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 every believer called to be in covenant is called to commune and called to talk and called to sit and be with him. We have so over-spiritualized this, we've pushed our own self-insecure people aside to engaging him. And prayer is simply this, as it says in Psalms 24, 27, may I sit, may I behold, and may I just ask and then shut my mouth and listen to what you have to say. But see, if that's what prayer is, and prayerlessness, well, it's the exact opposite. It's the anti-communication, the anti-covenant. It's the anti-life of abundance with him. You see, prayer is also, prayerlessness is also a process. It's just prayerlessness is a process of saying, I don't need to engage you. Either by willful, rebellious actions or by simply apatheticness of I just don't care. Prayerlessness says that my own human efforts are sufficient for my life. It is a prayerless people who will be lost. It is a prayerless people who will not have the covenantal fervency to handle the moment that they come into. 
be clear, Matthew 24 says it gets rough. And how does he say we're going to endure the moment? Matthew 25, a people of communing with Holy Spirit who are steadfast in the place of prayer. That's how we will endure it. And that is the danger of prayerlessness. And I hear God calling us in this place, in this month afresh, to say, come back to the place of inquiry. Come back to the place of engagement. Come back to the place where you will speak and listen. And I will speak to you. Turn to somebody on your right and say, I'm going to listen. Online, go ahead and just put it in line and say, I'm going to listen. Not everybody did it in here online. I hope you have better engagement for me. Okay. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 9 for me, if you will. Let me, just, let me give a quick outline to what's transpired up until Joshua 9 so we can all be on one accord. Joshua chapter 1, Moses has passed. The spiritual leadership of Israel has transitioned to a guy named Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, they now have are going from being lost in the wilderness, crossing over the Jordan and into Canaan. Why is Canaan so important? Canaan is the promised land. Canaan is the place of divine purpose. Canaan is all that God thought of when he promised things to Abraham. Canaan in this, in this geographic location is all that God has in view for Israel for the moment. And they cross over the Jordan, they walk into it. Four and five of Joshua, they become covenantal people willing to walk with him. In Joshua 6, they encounter a city called Jericho. And through the inquiry of the Lord, Joshua gets to the strategic, logical, incredible military plan to go for a walk. Any military folk in here online? Could you imagine your CEO saying to you, go ahead and just walk around that walled city, it'll be fine. Ain't nobody telling you that. But this, through the inquiry of the Lord, was the battle plan. Joshua does it, and Jericho falls. But unrighteousness comes into the camp, and they get routed by a city called Ai in Joshua 7. Joshua 8, he leads them into a place of reconsecration, of, of righteousness, and then, then Israel then routes Ai. And now we get to Joshua 9. And after what has gone on in Egypt years prior, after what has gone on in Jericho, after what has gone on to Ai, now the surrounding nations are freaked out. And they are saying, we are going to take out this new kids on the block named Israel. But there was one group called the Gibeonites. And they said, we ain't going to, we're not going to out-muscle them. We're going to deceive them. Now what's interesting is in all along this way, what we think of Joshua is the one who would inquire. Time and time again, it says of Joshua, he inquired of God. He inquired of God. He inquired of God. In fact, let's remember when Moses was still alive, Joshua and Moses would go into the tent of meeting. The, the spirit of God would come and be present. Moses would leave and Joshua would remain in his presence, speaking and talking and listening. And, and so Joshua has the prophetic history of God, of all of this talking, of all of this inquiry. And then we get to Joshua chapter 9. And the Gibeonites come and they come to deceive him. And our text in verse 14 says this of Joshua. They did not ask. Ask counsel from the Lord. They did not inquire. Maybe Joshua had some successes already. 
Maybe Joshua had a history. He knew which way these wires are supposed to go. He knew that he should go right instead of left following this thing in Antalya. And he found himself misdirected and lost. All because he did not inquire. And the primary question I want us to ponder this morning is this. Is where have you abandoned the place of prayer unto the place of inquiry? Where have you just operated in your own mindset, your own efforts, your own wisdom, and have now found yourself misdirected and exhausted in your journey? See, Joshua 9 is not an issue about thinking or acting. The issue set before us from Joshua 9 is this, a failure to consult God of what to do in the place of prayer. And it's out of this verse 14 of the lack of inquiry that we spend our remaining minutes. Three things I believe that we can learn from this as it relates to a prayerless life is that a prayerless life blinds us from seeing rightly, distracts us from divine purpose, and thirdly, it takes grace for granted. We ready to go to work? Come on, we ready to go to work? Take your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9 for me. First thing that we see out of Joshua 9 is this. Prayerlessness binds us from seeing rightly. You see, the battle that we face is never a frontal attack. The enemy is too wise and to roll up on you like the big bad wolf and say, little pig, little pig, let me in. No, no, no. See, see he's cunning. He's, he's watching your spending habits on Amazon. He's, he's, he's listening to the phone conversations on the phone, right? He's, he's watching whom you interact with at work. He's, he's tracking your mileage back and forth. He knows more about you than the NSA does. He's got all this info on you, and he's waiting in the right opportune moment, Matthew 4 says, to come and come to us and to deceive us. There's a reason why his name is the father of lies. And the problem is, is we too often believe we are too wise and smart enough to discern what's really happening. When the reality is, it's in the place of inquiry, it's in the place of prayer that we can discern what's really happening. I define discernment as this, simply understanding the true nature of what's going on. That problem in your marriage may not be what you think. That problem at school may not be just what you think. That problem may not just be that coworker. It may not just be that you get paid, you don't get paid enough. It may not just be the doctor's report. There may be something else going on, something else happening. And the discernment, the heart of discernment says this is what's really happening. We see here in Joshua 9 verse 3, it says these inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done. And so verse 4, they came, and on their part, look at what it says, acted with cunning. And they pretended to be a people from a far away land. This word cunning comes from the same Hebrew root word from Genesis 3, where the woman is deceived by a serpent who is more cunning than any other beast. You know the power of deception is this? You don't know you're deceived? 
right? Like, like if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. <laughs> Self-evident and brain, right? Like, no, it's true. The problem is that we don't know when we're deceived. And oftentimes, we either only find out we're deceived when we're already down the road that we wish we could return from, or because Holy Spirit says, you done be deceived, stop doing what you're doing. In Genesis 3, the serpent, in a cunning manner, rolls up on Eve, or crawls up on Eve, I should say, and says to Eve, God didn't really say this, and I don't think he really said that, and he, he gives her a word of truth. And it says in Genesis 3 that Eve pondered the serpent's words, gazed at the fruit, and then ate of it. What is absent in Genesis 3 is that Eve took the words of the serpent to the pre-incarnate God who had already walked in the garden with her and said, what do you think about what he said? Our problem is that we ponder words of Gibeonites, of serpents, and we think we've got the intellect to figure it out. When the reality is no, no, this relationship, this job offer, this move, this thing is not what it appears. And a prayerless life says, I got this. I can done figure this out. And what's even more sad is sometimes the good opportunities that come are not divine opportunities. And we're not willing to inquire what of this is God and what of this is man. You see, in the place of prayer, God opens up the veil and shows us what's really happening. About, I don't know how long ago, a bunch of years ago, my wife and I were at our house and this water filter guy shows up, wants to sell me a water filtration system. Probably could have bought the same thing for $2 with a Brita at Home Depot. What he was selling was not $2. And he did his sales pitch as a good salesman should. And then my wife had another appointment. So she was rushed to go somewhere. And so he's kind of like, he did his thing. He's like, he's like, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? I'll give you an extra discount if you decide right now. So I run upstairs with my wife. I'm like, hold on, bro. Let me talk to my wife. We run upstairs. Like, should we do this? I don't know. Should we do it? Maybe so. I mean, I think we, I like clean water. Cool, cool. You think Virginia water is better than this? I'm not really sure. I read this pamphlet, but I'm not really sure. Should we stop and pray now? We got this. Go ahead. Let's buy it. I got a mortgage the house for this thing. And it bound me to multiple years of payments. Don't judge me, please. Just because I chose to purchase something that maybe some discernment and prayer would have said you could probably not buy this for this much. How, how many stuff have we gotten ourselves into? Because we won't pause. How many payments have you put on something like a water filtration system then maybe you could have used that money elsewhere for something else simply because you didn't pause and ask. Amen. What kind of relational heartache have you walked through because you didn't pause and ask? 
kind of kind of job heartache have you walked through because you didn't pause and ask? How many job interviews you jumped in and out of that you're never supposed to be at to begin with because you didn't ask? See, Holy Spirit is present. There's a reason why Paul prayed that you'd be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you would know how to walk. And the problem is, is this, is we don't ask and thus we remain deceived and we're distracted by what's really in front of us. This month, might the call of prayer come to us? Might we say yes and step into it that we would discern the moments and the things that we are in? Turn to somebody on your right and say, I'm gonna buy a Brita. Online, go ahead, just give me a Brita emoji. Make myself feel better. (laughs) Prayerlessness blinds us from seeing rightly. And it says I can't discern it on my own. The second thing prayerlessness does is distracts us from divine purpose. When we abandon the place of prayer, we become distracted by what we're really called to do. The phrase that Pastor Kevin uses often is this divine assignment. Prayerlessness keeps us anchored in what we've been called to do. Excuse me, prayerfulness keeps us anchored in what we've been called to do. Prayerfulness says if it ain't in these boundary lines of my assignment, I'm not going to do it. It may seem good, it may seem great, it may even, it may even be more money in a better place, but if it's not in my assignment, I'm not stepping into it. And prayerlessness looks at everything as simply is it the best opportunity. And the question of the believer is not, is this a good opportunity? The question of the believer is, is this divine purpose? And the place of prayer and inquiry of the Lord keeps us focused in what he has for us. Look at our text, chapter six, excuse me, verse six through nine. As I already mentioned, they come to the camp and they say, hey, we are from a distant country. Make covenant with us. Now, I love this. Both, it says the, El- the people of Israel and Joshua, ask the deceivers, are you deceiving me? <laughs> Bonus point for asking a question. Negative 100 for asking the deceiver the question. Hey, Satan, do you think I should eat this fruit? They don't go to the Lord and ask. They ask the deceiver. And they say, in all of these times, the Gibeonites respond the same way, oh, we're from a distant country. Here's my question. Then why is Joshua concerned with them? His command was not to deal with distant countries. His command was to deal with Canaan countries. And by the way, Gibeon is only six miles away from them. Joshua is distracted by the command he was given because he didn't inquire should he deal with these people. See, the parameter of God's commands is guarded in the place of prayer. And the focus to do what God calls us is found in the place of prayer. And when we are in a place of prayerlessness, we will chase after every single opportunity like a dog running after a bunny thinking this is God's will for us. Our intentions get out of whack. Our focus gets out of whack. And we start to make covenant with people who we shouldn't make covenant with. Joshua lost track of what was going on because he didn't inquire. 
One of my one of my very good friends for over 20 years, his name is Jay Thomas. He's been here for a long time. Been here many times over our tenure here. Jay in 2005 was selling pianos and working through a struggling marriage, serving in a very small church for many years. And he gets a phone call from Israel Houghton. Now, uh, in 2005, Israel Houghton was like on the Mount Rushmore of worship leaders. Like you don't get any bigger than him. And he says, come tour the world with me in worship. Now, self-admittedly, Jay would say that stage would have destroyed me. However, he goes to his pastor and he says, pastor, what you think? And his pastor says, Jay, you are a highly talented worship leader. You will always have opportunities. But your call is not to chase opportunities. Your call is to chase promises of God. Is this an opportunity or is this a promise of God? And he said to me, he talked to me yesterday about the story. He said to me, he said, you know, in the moment I sensed God saying no, but I almost also felt like I was missing God. Two years later-ish, he finds himself at International House of Prayer in Kansas City, launched into a destiny of being an intercessor in prayer and unto the nations. And the only reason why he stepped into his promise was because he said no to an opportunity. See, it's in the place of prayer we discern what's just a LinkedIn notification and what is God's reassignment. It's in the place of prayer that I find this is my spouse, not just somebody who's single sitting next to me. It's in the place of prayer I found this is a good investment, not just a moment to give some money to some banker. You see, prayer aligns us to what God is doing. It keeps us in the safe place of doing what he's called us to do. And prayerlessness says, I can discern my moments by myself. Thank you very much. I wonder how many times have we started life projects, 75 different entrepreneurial ventures that are wearing us out because we didn't ask Holy Spirit, should I start this? How how many school programs have we started in our education track that are wearing us out and bottoming out our bank accounts? Hashtag student loan debt. Please let that be forgiven for me, Jesus. And why? Because we didn't ask Holy Spirit, hey, should I go to school for this? It's a good opportunity. I got accepted. I must certainly be supposed to do it. Just because you get accepted into the school doesn't mean God said apply to the school. Prayer is a consistent recalibration to what God's called us to do. But it's also in prayer that he confirms when the time to shift comes. Prayer can stabilize us to not jump just because we feel like we're supposed to jump. But it's also in the place of prayer that God says, now see him doing something new. Can you perceive it? Can you discern it? In prayer, I discern the assignment has shifted. And now I go with where he's shifting me. In either case, staying or going, walking through into divine promises or staying put in divine promises, it is prayer that anchors us to walk with the movements and the rhythms that God has for us. And I wonder how many of us have become distracted lost our place of assignment 
about five years ago, I had this dream. I say this often. I dream a lot. It is not because I am deeply spiritual. It's mostly because I am stubborn. And I have a hard time hearing Jesus. And so while I'm sleeping and in my subconscious, he talks to me. Amen to dreams. So here I am in my dull self, sleeping, and I get this picture. I'm sitting on the couch in my house, and I've got seven different screens up in front of me. And there's one like of sports, and one of news, and one of movies. There's all kinds of different stuff. And, and then I've got all these academic books all around me. And I'm sitting on the couch. I'm reading a book, watching the TV, doing all this stuff. And, and uh, my laptop is on my, on my lap, and I'm trying to type. And I sense Holy Spirit trying to give me the divine assignment and purpose for my life. And the problem is I am so distracted by the TV screens and the books that I can't type anything but gibberish on my computer. Like word fragments, like words with only consonants, no vowels, just a whole string of vowels, sometimes just a whole bunch of emojis. Like it's a mess. I'm growing frustrated because I know what I'm typing is in God. And the Lord said to me, you are too distracted. You're typing gibberish because you're listening to gibberish. Shut the TVs down. Close the books. You've abandoned the place of prayer and listening. And I will instruct you if you'll come away with me. I wonder how many of us have too many TVs on in our homes. A metaphorical or maybe literal. How many of us have too much screen time? That whole Apple gives you the screen time thing every week is a curse. 9.20 every day, every week on Sundays, it tells me how much time I spend on my phone. How, how often are we too distracted with opportunities that we now can't walk out the divine purpose? We're typing gibberish. We are exhausted by gibberish because we're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit of where we're supposed to be in. Let's turn off the TVs. Let's close the books. Let's come to the place of prayer that we can be on focus with our purpose. Come on. <laughs> Lastly, if the musician can come. Prayerlessness takes grace for granted. A potential underlining reality of prayerlessness is this, that God will just work it out. I'm just going to walk. He'll clean up my mess. And you know, in some ways that's true. The immeasurable grace of God works that way. If, if you can jack something up so much to lose God's grace, it wasn't God's grace to begin with. That's how it works. You got it. You, can't, you got it because you weren't worth it, and you can't lose it because you're not. God's grace simply is given to us because of Christ Jesus for us, his love for us. That's how we access grace. But just because God's grace can clean and redeem and make and make whole what was broken doesn't mean that wasn't God's fullness for us to begin with. You see, I believe there is a difference 
between God's permissive will that he can clean up in his grace and God's perfect will that leads unto full fulfillment and purpose in life. And oftentimes the difference between walking in the permissive will of God and walking in the perfect will of God is inquiring of him of what way to go. You see, the permissive will of God simply says this. I, I don't say this to, 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 to put such a pressure balloon on us that we just freeze ourselves from moving. No, no, no. Because this is how God's, I believe God's grace works with this. God's grace, when we're asking for his perfect will, says this, Lord, I'm going to start walking. You instruct me of how to walk. And sometimes we'll walk over here and he says, yeah, keep walking, keep walking. No, no, stop, Joel. Okay, I'm going to stop. And I'll start walking too soon. He says, no, 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 come back, come back, because you've been talking to me. No, go over here. Okay, okay, okay. No, there's a door I'm closing right here to stop. No, 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 I need you to go back for a minute. And see, in this nonlinear walking with the Lord, when I'm inquiring of him, even though I'm left and right, and even though I'm kind of getting back and forth, I'm still walking in the divine purposes of God, and his grace gets me to where I need to get to. Out of submission and humility and inquiring, his grace lands me in his full purpose. But see, the, the permissive will of God, I think, works like this. When I, refuse to re, when, I, when I refuse to inquire, I walk in a place of entitlement and pride. It says, I'm just going to walk, and God, you just don't figure this thing out. It says in Joshua 10 that these other nations now, come after Joshua. But they don't come after Joshua to get to Joshua. They come after Gibeon. Because, see, they know that Joshua has to fight them if they fight Gibeon because Joshua made a covenant with Gibeon. We get to verse 6, and Gibeon says, come help us. So Joshua has to go to a war that Joshua didn't plan on. Now, in verse 8, it's clear. He says, I'm going to give them into your hand, and you will win. This is the permissive will of God. Does he, does he allow us to fight the battles? Excuse me. Does he, does, does he defeat the battles that we face while we're walking without inquiring oftentimes? Yeah, he can. His grace is there. But catch this. Joshua's command was not to make covenant with the nations of Canaan. It was to eradicate them in order to inherit all that was the promised land. And because Joshua makes a treaty with Gibeon, he cannot overtake their land. And so though he's not defeated by Gibeon, and though he's not defeated by the other nations, he doesn't have a piece of an inheritance that he could have. Permissive will versus perfect will. And I wonder what pieces of our inheritance do we ultimately forfeit because we just think grace will cover it because I don't have to ask about Gibeon. And where might, if we would inquire of the Lord, where might we ascertain and lay hold of all that he has for us rather than just get a portion because we thought grace would cover it? I'm still in my land. I'm still living in Canaan. It's just that piece over there. I just don't got that. Where might this month we afresh come back to the place of prayer? You have one homework assignment this week. And that's this.
I want you to, you and your spouse, you and your friend, you and your prayer partner, if you're online, I pray that you have one. I want you to ask that person, where have I abandoned the will of God? Where have I not inquired of him? Maybe it's in your money. Maybe you need to go through your checkbook and say, where am I spending? And I'm not asking God, should I spend? Maybe it's a relationship. You've got to ask him, am I supposed to be in this? Marital couples, you can't ask that question. Maybe it's a, a job. Maybe it's a school venture. But you and Holy Spirit, in the place of prayer this week, asking, where am I called to walk and where have I walked in assumption? And what do you have to say about this single, not, not five areas, not three areas. Choose one area of discernment with God and do what he's doing for you. And let's have a month where we return back to the place of inquiry with him that we might walk out the divine purposes of God for us. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.